everybody. So I'm Bob. It's so good to see you guys. What a treat it is to be here this morning. And thanks for not just inviting me, but making me feel welcome. There's something about that. Like you get invited somewhere and you aren't welcome. <laughs> I feel like we're so glad you're here. <laughs> but I, I just came in and met a bunch of you out in the lobby. It was like I could smell the cookies in the oven. That's the aroma of Christ. There's something about that. That's what we want to do. We want to be that in our community. And, and this is the banner we fly under. Uh, some of you that don't know me, I'm a, a recovering lawyer. <laughs> I'm taking little baby steps towards Jesus. Uh, but I'm also the Consul General for the Republic of Uganda. Is that crazy? If you come over to my house, the flag of Uganda flies over my house. <laughs> that looks like Germany got together with a peacock, but that's it. <laughs> I'm not the U.S. like diplomat to Uganda. I'm the Ugandan guy to the U.S. <laughs> I walk into embassies, they're like, where's the Ugandan guy? I'm like, I'm the Ugandan guy. Like, mind blown. But we fly under the banner of Christ. And it changes everything. Or it changes nothing. It can't just change a couple things. And that's a problem among many that I'm having. I, I just wanted to change a couple things in my life. So this idea that if we're going to be the people of God, if we're going to be the aroma of Christ, we have to start acting differently. And, and, and Jesus did not come and die on a cross so you just behave better. It's the stuff that's going on inside your heart. It's, the, it's the, the honor that we give to the people around, the respect that we pay them. You need to know why you're doing what you're doing. Some of you have uh, commented on this Red Sox hat. I know you're Cardinals or something. I've never been to a baseball game. I don't know anything about baseball. We have a major league team in San Diego, evidently. Who would know? Um, <laughs> But my neighbor, Carol, was a huge Red Sox fan, and she got cancer. We knew she was going to be in heaven by the end of the week. And so I made a deal with Carol. I said, Carol, I'll wear your Red Sox hat for the rest of my life and represent the Red Sox here on earth. But in exchange, every time Jesus walks by you, you need to mention my name. <laughs> There's that verse that said, I knew you not. I'm like, Carol! I want us to know why we're doing what we're doing, and you gotta know what you want. That's how you get there. You just gotta know what you want. Remember the, uh, the story about Jesus walking up to the blind guy. He's like, I'm blind, I'm blind, I'm blind. And Jesus said, what do you want? <laughs> Duh. I don't think Jesus was confused. I think he wants you to know what do you want. And then you just say like, well, so what's the category? Um, so in my family, I want like a great family, my loved ones, my friends, it's all of that. And so what I want us to do, it isn't just going to be some pat answer. It's going to be a, a way of like kind of divining through all the different things that we're doing and figuring out what do we want. And we have this little period of time to figure it out. I know what I wanted big time. Uh, I, in junior high school, I wanted a date. <laughs> in the world. Seemed like it was happening with other people, not happening with me. Uh, well, I rolled into high school still having the same ambition, but no takers. Four years of high school, no pick around number. I mean, with a face like this, who could imagine? Well, I, I, I squeezed four years of college into five. I had the same ambition. 
I just wanted a date uh, and nothing. Uh, I'm in my second year of law school and sweet Maria walks in the room and has like, yes, you will be mine. <laughs> I asked her on a date. She said no to I'm like, darn it. But I knew where she was going to be that weekend. There was this Young Life camp, and she was going to be leading the, the girls' work crew. So she got 12 high school girls. I'm no dummy. I wanted to get adjacent to her. And so I got 12 high school guys, and I'm the man's work crew boss. And so on the first night of camp, this elderly woman, her pacemaker stops. She face plants in the spaghetti. She's gone, like, out of here, go to Jesus. But I knew how to do CPR. And I got her on the floor. I am pushing on her chest. I am blowing into her wrinkled lips. It was not the first kiss I was hoping for. <laughs> and she lived like full Lazarus. And Maria thought, this guy ain't much to look at, but he could be useful in a pinch. Well, we got married, and uh, the two of us could not be more different. They said, remember, you go to the wedding, and they say the two will become one. Uh, she thought we were going to become her. <laughs> I'm like, oh, heck no. She's got what's called extreme social anxiety. We've been married 35 years, four weeks, and two days. We've gone out to dinner two times. One of those was a Taco Bell. So she, uh, she, you know, I get around you guys. I'm like, take her. I'm like, people. <laughs> she thinks having me in the room is a lot of people. <laughs> but here's the deal. The idea that in John 17, you could hear Jesus talk to his father. And he said, my prayer for all of us is that we would be one. And sometimes we think oneness means sameness. And it doesn't. One is we, we could not be more different, but we're really tight. And so that's what I want to do. I want to, from what I've been reading, we get to spend forever together. <laughs> so I, I, what I want to do is just find out who's in the room. And, and don't just start with the easy people. I'm low-hanging fruit. Are you picking up on that? Pretty easy guy to get along with. But there's some difficult people out there. Have you noticed? Like, you're among them. <laughs> this is actually an intervention. Like, <laughs> you're not as lovely as you think you are. And so how do we honor people, this crazy thing that he takes such different people and then he says we're one and then just winds us up and lets us loose into the world? I pulled into Chicago a little while ago and I, uh, it was time, you know, the plane got to the uh, to the. Uh, place where I was going to park, and, and everybody's going to get up, and the pilot said, like, nobody move. I'm like, not good. Um, and he said, uh, there's a fallen soldier uh, that's on the plane, and I looked out the window, and this was the scene happening out in front on 9-11 to think of that idea of that honoring people that have, have sacrificed, that have given to us, like, part of being one is being aware of what's going around, on around you, head on a swivel, seeing what's happening, and then not getting distracted by the things that are happening. Well, what'll happen, I promise you, I don't see the devil around every corner, but I promise you, he does not want to destroy you. He wants to distract you. Destroy you is one and done. Like, you're just out. 
uh, but distract you, that's the gift that just keeps taking. And so what he'll do is he'll use all kinds of things to distract you. He'll use the things that are going on in the world. He'll use things going on in your neighborhood, things going on in your life. Um, and I just don't want to be distracted. I want a right view of how God sees us. We took a couple selfies out in front uh, before the service started. And have you ever noticed when somebody's taking your picture? Oh, we did one. Yeah, when somebody's taking your picture, the person taking the picture smiling. <laughs> That's how God feels about you. Isn't that crazy? Like you can have the God of the universe and there's a ton of theology behind it, but, but God doesn't see your screw-ups. He sees Jesus. That's the message of the gospel of Christ, that he sees his son and he's all smiling. I'm a really conservative, button-down guy when it comes to theology, but I've met some people that have some great doctrine and lousy theology. And loving people the way Jesus did, people that creep you out, like, that's great theology. And I realize about myself, I've spent my whole life avoiding the people Jesus spent his whole life engaging. You know why? I didn't want to get any on me. You know, and, and I just don't want us to be that. I want us to be the church. I want to smell the cookies in the oven. Like, God knows everything that has happened, is happening, is going to happen. You're tracking with me on that? But the angels don't. Check out Matthew. The angels only know whatever God tells them. So like, tell, tell Joseph he's gonna be a dad. Just watch his face. <laughs> tell Mary she's gonna be a mom and the angels be like, no way. And then God's like, Yahweh. Like, but. <laughs> and what if you pictured the angels this morning leaning over the rails, just wondering what you're gonna do with your life? Uh, but we just can't be distracted. And, and it just happens so easily. I, I brought this to kind of illustrate the point. <laughs> this is not COVID. <laughs> Don't get one of these in your nose. Um, Marie and I got married, and uh, we were a week into this thing. We got in a fight. It was all her fault. I'm such a <laughs> swell guy. And it really started out small. Do you know how that goes? It was so small. And then all of a sudden, it was so big. Has that happened to you guys? Like something, Maria has, it's called catastrophizing. <laughs> Just like, oh my gosh. Yeah. Or you take something really big, like grace and love and acceptance, and you make it really small, like a rule. Like this is how we roll. You know, what I want to do is just right-size people. I, on the flight out here, uh, they gave me a center seat between two linebackers, I guess. And, and I, I had this thing with me. I was just doing this. <laughs> they put me in first class. I like, <laughs> so what I don't want to do is be distracted. And, and if we keep our eyes fixed on Jesus... Like that idea of saying, what is God doing inside of me? And what is God doing inside of somebody else who's bugging me or creeping me out? I promise this Saturday, there's going to be a bride and she's going to be praying for a sunny day on her wedding. I also promise you there's a farmer praying for rain. And if it rains on her important day, it doesn't mean God doesn't like the bride, he's all smiles about her. He's just doing something else in somebody else's life than he happens to be doing in hers right now. 
And then if we can get our arms around that, then we can be one. Do this. Think of the least creepiest explanation. Instead of going really big on it, like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh. Like just say, what's the least creepiest explanation? Uh, I was speaking at a church, and uh, <laughs> all the seats were full. There was one seat empty right there. And this lady came about 15 minutes late. And I'm not scared of spiders or tornadoes or whatever, uh, but I'm not big on snakes. She walks in. She's got a seven-foot boa around her neck. And I was like, ah! And I'm like, Bob, get your uh, act together here. And I just said, what's the least creepiest explanation? You know what I came up with? Maybe she doesn't know. <laughs> She's walking across the parking lot. She goes under a tree, wraps around. I'm like, I'm not telling her. So there's something beautiful and biblical about that. If we're going to be one, we got to bring it down a notch. And some of you are a little bit on edge. You're just pointing bony fingers at people. And you just don't need to do that. Me too. I'm like, I'm the guy Paul talks about in Romans 10. I keep doing what I don't want to do and I don't do what I do want to do. Like that is evidence of our need for a savior. But see, what is it that's driving you, right? I was driving through uh, Texas and uh, that's a long drive. And there's a, there's a place, a city called Happy. <laughs> like these are my people. <laughs> so I had to take the exit and I, I pulled into this town. Their slogan is, it's the city that never frowns. <laughs> this is downtown happy. <laughs> this is all the people that live in happy. Like a, there's a happy center off on the side. See that? And there's also a drugstore. <laughs> so What I want to do is a flaming Enneagram 7, the enthusiast. How many Enneagram 7s are there out there? Come on, you're not alone in this world. Like, I just, I, I, like I just get excited about everything, as you've seen. Um, what God does not need is a bunch of Red Bulled out, over-caffeinated Christians. What he needs is people that take their faith seriously, and they take this commandment about loving your neighbor. Seriously. Do you know what? Jesus answered 300, or he asked 307 questions during his three years of ministry. He only answered three questions. Is that crazy? If ever somebody asks you to answer a question, say, I've already answered my three. <laughs> it was a lawyer like me that tried to set him up. He said, what's the big commandment? He said, love God with your heart and your soul and your mind and love your neighbor as yourself. The second question he answered, they said, will you teach us how to pray? And he said, I will, our father, and you know how it goes. And the third one in front of Pilate, he said, so I hear the king of the Jews. Then he said, yes, I am. It's not about happy. What we're working on is this idea of holy. Holy can express itself like this. It can express itself like this. But it doesn't often express itself like this. Right? There's something, it's Galatians 5, 6. It says uh, that, that the only thing that matters is your faith expressed in love. I felt it when I came here. I felt welcome. That just said, nobody need to read me a Bible verse. You're the Bible verse. 
I just felt that. I want people at the checkout counter that you meet and the cop that pulls you over and the person that's doing that, people that you disagree with to say, what's the least creepiest explanation for what they're doing? And it's not just being a nice guy putting a smiley face on it. I'm, I'm not trying to win arguments anymore. You guys, I'm a trial lawyer. I win arguments for a living. Uh, you'd know if we were arguing because I'd be winning. I'm not trying to be right, I'm trying to be Jesus. And if we keep that as our North Star, then we know the answer about what do you want? And then you know why you want. I got to be kind of a like the seeing happy Texas. It made me start thinking about cities and their funny names. There's a place in Arizona and it's called Why. <laughs> I bet they named it in August. It's 130, like why? <laughs> And here's how you get from happy to why. It takes 784 miles. There's a shortcut. I guess that's the drugstore. But the, the way to get there would be to just make that trip. Like if you really want to find love and purpose and connection, you got to figure out why you want it. Like what's really going on inside you? Some of the, the things that are causing you to do what you do. Uh, I, I brought this to kind of illustrate. Uh, we, we used to call this a Russian nesting doll. Now we call it a Ukrainian nesting doll. Um, this uh, is Bob the happy guy, right? Do you picture he's just happy all the, like Waffle House, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. But underneath that, there's a kind of an insecure Bob. Like the reason why I'm doing what I'm doing is some stuff happened to me when I was young. Stuff happened to you when you were young. And so I started making up some rules that like I thought everybody's gonna leave me. And so little scared Bobby Goff said, what I'll do is I'll replace all of this fear of rejection with a load of happy. And so underneath that is this scared little kid that's like afraid not a long time ago this morning that you'll reject me. Is that crazy? Would you think of me as insecure right now? Super insecure. Not last month, right now. And underneath that is a scared little Bobby Goff. And here's the message of Christ. You get to take all of this and lay it at his feet. That's it and not in a neat pile to just say, here's what's really going on. I don't care what my faith looks like. Let's just talk about what it is. And if we can get real about that, you're gonna find Christ. And people are gonna like a scratch and sniff. Some stuff is gonna happen to you. They're gonna, you're gonna get scratched and they're gonna smell Jesus. They're gonna smell it in your authenticity. They're gonna smell it in your willingness to get real with them and to just say, what's actually going on? Uh, I wrote a book called Love Does a while back. We just gave all the money away. It's been so fun. I put my cell phone number on the last page of the book. You guys, there's three million people that have my cell phone number. <laughs> I get so many calls. I get 100 calls a day. I can't get a thing done. It's terrific. Well, I got a call from a shake. In Saudi Arabia, he said, would you come to my country and build a school for us? I'm like, build your own school. You got all the oil. <laughs> he said, but would, would you like to come to my palace? I'm like, yes. <laughs> well, I start off every day with a latte and I, I get to his palace. This is what he serves me. He made, he put his palace on the latte. <laughs> I'm like, buddy, you are so insecure. 
And then he took a tablespoon of 14 karat gold and he put it across the top. You think you're paying too much at Starbucks. He put this tablespoon of 14 karat gold across the top and he said, if you drink the gold, it'll make you look young again. I'm like, liar! <laughs> but what if we give those that are hurting, those that are poor, those that are in, in difficult spots, our very best. Give them a tablespoon of your best. That's Matthew 25. He said, I was hungry and you fed me. I was thirsty and he gave me something to drink. I was a stranger. I was kind of creepy, but you invited me in. I, I was sick and you comforted me. I was, in, I was naked and you clothed me. I was in jail and you came. People, like, you don't, if you want to find Jesus, find hungry people, thirsty people, sick people, strange people, naked people, or people in jail. And if following Jesus doesn't lead me and you to them, we're not following Jesus. We're just trying to be happy, and I, I'm a happy guy. But what I want to do is figure out, how do I get there? What's the path? And the path that Paul laid out was this. He's talking about his buddy, Timothy behind his back. He said, I don't have anybody like Timothy. He's a guy who takes a genuine interest in other people's welfare. Think about that. Just taking a genuine interest, rising up above some of the things that are the distractions for me and taking an interest in someone else. I remember a little insecure eight-year-old Bobby Goff had two parents that were amateurs at this thing, and they smoked like chimneys. Like they would finish one cigarette and light the next one. Like they were, I guess there was no such thing as secondhand smoke. Um, so uh, I read on the side of a package of cigarettes a message from the Surgeon General, and it said, these things will kill you. And precocious little Bobby Goff wrote a letter. Some of you will remember uh, the, who the Surgeon General for the United States of America was, C. Edward Coop. Remember him? I wrote him a letter, and I said, my name's Bobby. <laughs> <laughs> my parents smoke, and I read your message on the side. It says it'll kill them. Will you please tell them to stop smoking? A week and a half later, my parents get a letter from the Surgeon General of the United <laughs> States of America. He said, I heard from your son. He says you're smoking. Stop it. And they did. That's a guy who took a genuine interest in a little insecure guy, a little insecure Bobby Goff that was afraid I would be rejected, and somebody took 10 minutes and did something about it. I'm telling you, the guy that thought I'd be alone, why was I concerned that my parents would die? I'm afraid I'll be alone. And so some of us have these crazy rules that we've made up that, that, that helped us survive some really hard things. But I want to understand, what is the rule? Why have you made it? And can we bring this to Jesus? Here's the idea. You need to see it so you can understand it, so you can bring Jesus to, uh, to fix it. Like this idea to just say, God, I'm stressed out. Like, I know. Yeah, me too. But to say, what is that connected to? To say, I'm stressed out because of finances this morning. Some of you know what that feels like. 
You, you might have a relationship that's gone wonky and you're stressed out about that. Understand what that is. I'm not saying get wrapped around the axle about that. I'm saying just understand what that is and see, is that connected to anything? So a fear that you'll be rejected or have been rejected or have been not just misunderstood but been betrayed. And a, a, a friend that just lets you down big time on purpose. Whatever those hurts are, guys, you've been, maybe you're looking at stuff you shouldn't be looking at, or maybe you're, guys or gals, you're like sending emojis to somebody you shouldn't be sending emojis to. It's not an affair, it's just a distraction in your life. And what I want you to do is this, on your very worst day, with the biggest secret you don't want anybody to know, do you know what Jesus calls you? He calls you beloved. Is that crazy? He's not pointing a bony finger in your direction. He, he's a comforter. He's a counselor. He's the one. And if you're not hearing the word beloved spoken over your biggest screw up right now, it ain't Jesus talking. And if we can just clarify that, if we can remove some of that distraction from the room, now we got a ball game. And, uh, and it starts not by us just getting uh, uh, focusing just on ourselves, but taking a genuine interest in other people. There's some people back in Washington, D.C. that aren't getting along. Have you noticed? <laughs> <laughs> oh, they are just daggers for each other. And uh, there was somebody that asked me a couple of years ago if I'd come back and sit down with some people that were mad at each other. And uh, I was thinking no, but then they said they had a plane. I'm like, okay. Okay. Um, and I thought we were going to land at Dulles, and then the plane hung a left, and we landed in this field in Virginia. And you guys, it's where they put the, like, spy cameras in the planes. I'm like, who are you people? And the guy said, you want me to blow your mind? I'm like, buddy, I got nothing left. I didn't have much to start with. And he goes over to this hangar. He opens up the hangar door, and inside is the original Air Force One. He's rebuilding it just because he can. <laughs> I'm like, buddy, you got too much money. And so we're sitting around at this table and people are arguing about whatever they're arguing about. I'm honestly, just kind of zoning out a little bit. Uh, and the guy next to me elbows me, shows me his cell phone, and there's a message in there. It says, do you know who Bob Goff is? <laughs> I was like, that's awesome. Uh, and he told me about this guy. His name is Greg Murtha. Greg was behind Promise Keepers and a bunch of other stuff. He texts back to Greg. He said, Bob's sitting right next to me. What I didn't know about Greg until he told me is that Greg had been through 100 rounds of chemotherapy, literally on his deathbed. Uh, a couple minutes later, his phone dings again, and it's Greg. And he said, um, he said, will you ask Bob if he'll write the foreword to my book? And people, there's only one answer to that. If you say no, you go straight to hell. Like, you <laughs> a trap door opens, you go. <laughs> the next day, he went to heaven to start his dance for eternity with Carol. Uh, and here's the problem. I'd only met Greg one time. And so for the next month, I went to all of his friends and I asked them this question. Tell me about who Greg Murtha was. And to the last person, do you know what they said? He was a guy who took a genuine interest in the people around him. Let that be your legacy. We're the church. And I know we're screwed up, but I think we can demonstrate that kind of honor and respect that I saw in Chicago. That, that we could to come up with the least creepiest explanation. That we would show up and people wouldn't meet our opinions. They'd meet Jesus.
And they'd meet Jesus because they saw you get scratched by the, the difficulties of life. And they smelled not a lot of grousing about it, but somebody who's willing to see it so they can understand it, so they'd take it to him. To say, I'm in desperate need. I'm little Bobby Goff. I'm just the old gray version. But what I'm doing is every day lifting that stuff up to him. Can you take my insecurities? Can you take the things? And some of you came this morning because you thought there was free pizza. There's not. <laughs> you came because there'd probably be some happy old guy talking to you. Um, but man, whether you've been tracking with Jesus for 20 years or 20 minutes, or you're just kind of in proximity to him, would you just, just and I'm uh, make a lousy evangelical because I don't think we lead people to Jesus. I think Jesus leads people to Jesus. But if some of this is pinging you, let him lead you to him. And what you'll find is that you'll start taking a genuine interest in the people around you. I'm going to close with this. Just outside of Detroit, it was about four years ago now, there was a guy driving down the, the highway in his truck, and he, he went into this overpass and saw a young man at the overpass look like he was going to jump. I'm sure that truck driver was as busy as you are and as busy as me. But instead of just continuing on his way, he got on his radio. He called every trucker going in that direction and said what was going down and where it was. He didn't stop there. He called every truck driver coming in the other direction, said there's a young man and it looks like he's going to make this irreversible decision. And this is what happened next. They all stopped. And without a word spoken, they said this, if you fall, you're not fallen far. That's the message of the gospel of Christ. When we fall, and we will, we're gonna fall right into the arms of Jesus. And what he did is decided to put me and you in that position. To just catch people when they're falling, not instruct them, catch them. Isn't that great? Like, what if we just go do that today? There's somebody who's gonna leave here today feeling so lonely and desiring to talk to somebody and then one of you shows up and you don't say the first quote like what's your name where are you at but just say what does it feel like to be you and just listen taking a genuine interest in one another man that's the gospel of Christ and I hope we won't be distracted from it hey will you do this rise up for a second grab a shoulder or a arm or whatever's not creepy you'll know <laughs> come on we're reaching across the aisle me and you buddy Wow, you are the body of Christ. That's what we do. We just love people. And, and you know what? Heaven is leaning over the rails, just wondering what courageous move you're gonna make. Undistracted, clear in focus, insecure, but bringing it to Jesus. Let me just pray for us. Jesus, you've been hearing what we've been talking about. You've been eavesdropping on our whole lives. Give us the guts and the grit to just be your people. Come up with the least creepiest explanation uh, to take a genuine interest in the people around us. In your strong name, amen. amen. Thanks, Bob, for being here. Before you leave, uh, 
just one second before you leave, you can stay standing. We had a conversation with Bob last night and we videotaped it. And if you want that conversation, we had it's like an hour conversation, what you have to do is scan the QR code on the back of your seat. They'll give us your email and we can send it to you. We'll know you're here. Or if you're online, you can scan it on the screen. It'll work, trust me. If you're old, trust me. And uh, we'd love to send that so you can just get more of the conversation that we've been having with Bob this weekend. Hey, let's have a blessing. And may the God of hope fill you with joy and peace as you believe the gospel of his son, Jesus Christ. Amen. Thanks for worshiping with us today.